You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Thank you, Pastor Bex. Thank you. Well, it's a privilege to be here in Botany. Uh, So good to be here. Welcome to everybody online. I pray that this message will be one that will encourage you. We're going to get straight into the Word this morning. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Exodus chapter 3, or you can find it on your your notes in your app. Uh, We're going to read from verse 1 this morning. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. How many people think in years to come he would have regretted that moment? I think so. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God then went on to say that he was going to rescue the people, bring them out of this place of slavery into freedom. We pick it up again in verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Father, thank you that you have steps for us to take today, tomorrow, throughout this week and into the years to come. Lord, would we be obedient to what you are asking us to do? May we step with a confidence knowing that we are walking in your purpose and your calling. Amen, amen. At Elam, we believe that every single one of us are called to live a life of purpose. We're not, we're not put on this, this planet just to exist for no reason, but we have a, a purpose to fulfill in our lives, to truly make a difference in the world. And today I wanna ask three questions as we look at this passage. Three questions that I believe we can ask every single day of our lives as we look at what God has asked us to do in our purpose. Straight into it, let's get into it. Number one, here's the first question as we look at this passage. Am I secure in in who God has made me to be? Am I secure in who God has made me to be? Chances are most of us have found ourselves talking a little bit like Moses. This is what he says in verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Have you ever asked that? Who am I? Who who am I to raise my family? Who am I to lead this business and lead people? Who am I to share my faith with somebody else? Has anyone asked that question? You kind of look at yourself and go, I'm not good enough. I don't think I have what it takes. It's quite normal. And that's what Moses said. Who am I that I could do this great thing? I believe Moses was going through a journey that we all go through, a journey to discover identity and purpose. We're not created to wander aimlessly 
through life, but with purpose and direction. Ephesians 2.10, I love this, for we are God's masterpiece. Come on, nudge the person beside you online, get someone in the living room, say you are God's masterpiece. Come on, you are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do what? The good things that he has planned for us long ago. Some of us, we need to look in the mirror when we go home. Got to look at yourself, a bit, channel a bit of Joey Tribbiani. How you doing? Yeah? Come on, you are a masterpiece. Come on, look at yourself in the mirror and say you are a masterpiece. But some people, let's be honest, couldn't look at yourself in the mirror and believe that. To say that, you just, ah, not me. That's not who I am. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Even the way that you were conceived may not have been the way that you would have hoped or expected it to be. However, God made you on purpose for a purpose. And I believe when we accept our identity, it unlocks our purpose. When we accept our identity, when we accept who God's created us to be, that allows us to unlock the purpose that he has for our lives. And trust me, I've spent way too many years of my life trying to match up to expectations that nobody even put on me. I put them on myself. I remember the very first sermon I preached as a youth pastor. I think I was 22 years old. And I preached a message, and my favorite preacher at the time was Jensen Franklin, and to this day, still one of my favorite preachers. An amazing man of God with such integrity and humility. And this amazing Texas drawl. And, uh, and I remember preaching my first message, trying to be like him, and I think I even tried to pull out the accent. I mean, that, it was a bit of a train wreck, I'll be honest. And somebody somehow gave their life to Christ. Praise God, the gospel gets through, even when we make a mess of it all. But I spent so many years of my life trying to please people, trying to impress people, trying to live up to a standard that I thought they were setting for me, but actually I was probably setting it for myself. Remember seven years ago, we, we moved up to take over from Stephen Beck's. If you're an insecure person, that's a real challenge. <laughs> These guys are amazing. We love them. We all love them. But to follow in their footsteps and to follow in Steve's uh, size 13 or 14 <laughs> shoes, someone said, how are you going to follow, you know, follow in his footsteps? I said, well, if I try to wear his shoes, I'll look like a clown. Big floppy feet. But, but there, was, there was something inside of me. I said, I don't, wanna, I don't want this to fall apart. The church is going great, and I don't want to turn up. And they go, oh, really? It's you? We want Stephen Beck's back. You know, th there, was, there was a huge amount of insecurity, and, and I had this, this desire. I was going to get up, and I was going to preach strong, and I was going to be confident, and I was going to be this amazing leader. And I ruptured my Achilles a week before we moved up. And uh, Amy was seven and a half months pregnant with Zoe, our youngest child, and she was depressed on medication, and that's a whole other journey and a whole other story, and she didn't want to meet a single person. We were right old mess. And it's almost laughable how much God needed to sit us down and remind us that we were enough if we were in him. And oh my goodness, how freeing it was. I sat on a pastel as the pig leg pastor for about six weeks. And I just, I just, this is it. This is who I am. This is all I've got. But I've got the power of God in my life and I'm relying on him. And it was a freeing moment. Didn't have to please anyone or, or, or try, try and be anybody except who God had called me to be. And I believe that some of us need to grasp that today. I love that God promised Moses, I will be with you. 
I will be with you, friends. God will be with you. Online, God will be with you. He is with you. And now I realize that I'm okay with the skin I'm in. You know, my, my funny teeth, I probably should have had braces, didn't think I'd be standing in front of people doing this. But, you know, I've got funny fangs and my height, and, you know, I just, I, I'm comfortable. I kind of look in the mirror and go, hey, you're all right, Mike. You, 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 you're good enough. It's enough. And, I, you know, I wrote um, this, this series of books for a generation, a little leaders who are battling a secular worldview that is questioning the very existence of their identity. Going, no, 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 that's not who you are. You get to choose something different. You get to be different. No, no, this is who God's created us to be. And, and I, I think of Moses as an adult. He was raised in a palace. He was raised with everything going for him, and yet he still didn't know who he was. And I believe that so many of us, we still struggle with our identity, not knowing who we are. I heard a story of a, a social worker reading one of my books, Loving the Skin You're In to her mum, well she, she was reading it to the two year old as the mum sat in the corner weeping as she said, I've never loved the skin I'm in. And I pray that my daughter would experience that in her lifetime, that she would love who she is, she would know her identity. And here's my challenge as we look at this question for this week. Tell yourself that you're a masterpiece. Go on, look yourself in the mirror. I think you need to do it, look yourself in the mirror. Or on your phone if you wanna do it that way. Tell yourself, you're a masterpiece created by God to do good works. And then I want you to tell someone else, because it's not enough for us just to live for ourselves. Come on, we need to actually go and talk to somebody else. We need to look at somebody else and go, man, you are a masterpiece. Don't, don't get it wrong and say you're a piece of work, all right? You say, you're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. <laughs> you might be a piece of work, but you're also a masterpiece created in God to do great works. Second question I, I want us to ask ourselves is, am I currently using what God has put in my hand? Am I currently using what God has put in my hand? In this passage we've read this morning, we see Moses questioning God's choice. You could have picked a better man, God, not me. But God gives him assurance, but Moses is still not convinced. How many Bible stories is that the case? You think of Gideon, no, not me, give me another sign. But we read this awesome passage here in Exodus 4, verses 1 to 5. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Then he ran from it, as you would. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And Moses said, no, you pick it up. Well, no, that's probably what I would have said. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So let me ask you a question. When did God give Moses this miracle rod? Was it at the burning bush? Was it when he told him to take his sandals off? Where in scripture do we see that Moses was given this rod that did great miracles. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Moses, this rod was used as a, you know, it turned into a snake and he picked it up. And, and then Moses held the staff out over the Red Sea and the Red Sea opened up and millions walked through on dry land. And, and then they, he struck a rock and out of the rock came water, enough water to satisfy the thirst of, of all the people. When did God give Moses this miracle rod? I think he had it all along. I think there was a time where he was 
tending to the sheep and he goes, I'm going to need a stick to, to, to you know, get rid of all the wild animals and to guide the sheep. And he probably took it from a branch or, or a trunk and he, and he whittled it down. He, he did something, he, he worked on it in order for it to be useful. My question for you is what is in your hand? What is it that you've got in your hand right now that God is asking you to use? And we, we might look at it and, and like, like Moses, it's, it's a stick. And, and in our hands, we, we might think it's something insignificant, but for the purposes of God, what we carry in our hands or what we carry in our heart is something that can do something incredible. If we would join together and use the gifts that God has placed on our, on our lives in the community of Jesus' followers, the impact that we can have on this world is unbelievable. And I'm here to remind somebody this morning that you're where you're meant to be. Don't try and get out of your job. Don't try looking for that promotion or that new job. Actually, some of you need to hear this today. You are where you are meant to be. God is wanting you to find the joy again. If he needs to promote you, he will. People are watching. God's watching. He'll lift you up. He'll raise you up. He'll find a new job. But if you're finding yourself frustrated, would I ask you to consider what is in your hand? And are you faithfully using that? See, at Elam, we're all about people taking their next steps in their journey. And discipleship is a daily walk. It's, it's a walk of faith. It's, it's me taking a step now and then taking a second step and then a third step. And over our lifetime following Jesus, we will take thousands of steps. And so many of them seem so insignificant. It's like, it's just, what am I even doing? I'm just, I'm just turning up to work on, on Monday and then I, it's the same again on Tuesday and it's the same again on Wednesday and I just feel like I'm in this, this cycle of, I'm not really achieving everything. But what if that step is influencing somebody else when people go, why are you so happy at work? I hate this job. And yet, and yet there's joy in the way you live your life. Come on, we need to be that person that brings influence wherever we are. What is it that's in your hand? And sometimes we don't understand the steps we need to take. But when we trust God with his plan and when we look back on our faltering steps along the way, we realize that God was strengthening us for the load that one day we might need to carry. Moses spent all those years tending the sheep to one day tend the flock. For some of us, discovering what God has put in your hand might be actually signing up for Growth Track, getting on this month's course or next month's course, discovering your purpose, your unique personality, finding out how God has wired you so that you can truly understand your purpose and live in that purpose. Yeah, 20 years ago, I sat on the steps of Kaitai Intermediate. I was a young youth pastor, and, and I asked the question of these two boys, 10, 11 years old, and it's a question that I've asked hundreds, probably thousands of children and people and adults over the last 20 years. What's your dream? How are you going to change the world? What's your dream? How are you going to change the world? The first one says, I want to be an all black. Like, awesome, that's great. What are you going to have to do? I'm going to have to work hard. I'm going to have to eat right. I'm going to have to train. Awesome. Next guy, what, what, are, you, what are you going to do? What's your dream? How are you going to change the world? So I'm going to be on the dole like my mum and dad. And I was just like, that comment was probably, this, that conversation was probably one of the most impacting conversations in my life, probably after asking Amy to marry me, you know, after that. <laughs> but that impacted me so much that that was the drive of a 10, 11 year old boy. That was the ambition that held, it was like, no, not on my watch. 
I'm going to give my life to raising up a generation that understand their purpose and know that they have something to offer this world. You know that holy discontent, that's something that stirs within you, and it might not stir in somebody else, but it stirs within you. That's what God's put in your hand. But then I realized that the purpose and calling of God in my life had actually started many years earlier. It wasn't just in that moment, it had actually started as a four-year-old. I used to do sandpit crusades at kindy. So I'll be, I'll be sharing the, my faith with, talking about how Jesus loves them. In fact, one of my preschool teachers called my mom and said, look, I don't want Mike to be disappointed, but no one's responding to his sandpit crusades. <laughs> but I kept preaching anyway. Do you know there's been plenty of Sundays where I've given the gospel response and not a single person's responded. I just keep preaching it anyway. You know, just faithfully doing what God's called us to do. As a 10-year-old, I was blackmailed. Blackmailed by my mother to play the clarinet. She handed me the, 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 the permission slip for the school camp I wanted to go on and the clarinet lessons. She said, you take them both in. What a mean mum. <laughs> Love you, mum, if you're watching online. <laughs> but I'm so glad she did because something in there birthed a love for music. It wasn't long after that I wrote my first song and no, I won't be singing it this morning. <laughs> But years later, we recorded a, a kid's album. Some of our team are here today that were a part of that. How amazing that God would take that from a young 10-year-old. As an 11-year-old, I wrote my first kid's book. Did the illustrations myself and cut out this pop-up book, having no idea that one day, years later, we would publish our own set of books and with more in the pipeline. It didn't make sense that a 14-year-old boy would put his hand up in creche to, to say, oh, I'll serve in creche. When the pastor says, we need someone to look after our three and four-year-olds, okay. Mum and I said, we'll do it. Let's do it. For the next three years, I served in the creche, not knowing that a decade later, I'd be standing in front of hundreds of children here at Botany. See, these, these, these faltering yet faithful steps in my life with what was in my hand, and I made mistakes along the way, but I've just kept saying yes, and I believe that's a word for somebody today. Just keep stepping. Be faithful with what is in your hand. People have asked me over the years, how do I know God's will in my life? And I answer with these nine words, do the last thing God asked you to do. <laughs> do the last thing God asked you to do. Sometimes God is waiting to reveal a next step because we haven't quite done the first step or the last step. And as I was praying this week, I felt this for, for some people today. For someone today, your next step is to change your attitude towards your boss. Hello. <laughs> Get about building a culture of influence and honor in your workplace. Someone else needs to talk to someone about the addiction that keeps you chained up and in darkness. Talk to a counselor. Someone else needs to let go of an offense and forgive that person who wronged you. Let God administer his justice, but forgive and release them. The judgment that you've placed on them, you both get out of jail when you release them. And maybe for someone today, it's actually asking God to forgive you for not following through on that, that last step. Can I encourage you? Be real with God. Repent if you have to. And say, God, I'm, I'm, I want to step again. I want to be faithful with what is in my hand. Am I secure in who God's called me to be? Am I using what God has put in my hand? And as a team come, my last question for us this morning is, does my purpose lead people to God or me? Does my purpose lead people to God or me? 
In this passage, God says to Moses, what is this you've got in your hand? Moses was familiar with the rod. It's just a stick, just a stick. And it was, but we see Moses laid the stick down and God says, pick it up. And the miraculous began to flow. Friends, we may be gifted, we may have incredible talent, we may be really good at some particular things in business and life, but if we don't lay it down first and then pick it up on God's call, then we will only ever achieve something in the natural. If we want to see the supernatural power of God move in our lives, that thing that's in our hand, at some point we have to lay it down and say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's about your purpose and your glory. See, Moses used the rod to lead sheep, but supernaturally when he picked it up for God's purposes, he led millions of people into freedom. As long as the rod was used to fulfill God's purposes, the miraculous took place. As long as Moses was okay for God to get the glory, the miraculous took place. But the moment Moses thought it was about him, the anointing left him. Sadly, there was a moment where where Moses, the, the first time God says, I want you to hit the rock, I want you to strike the rock and out of it will flow water. People were thirsty and he struck the rock and the water came out, but a second time in Numbers 20, God says, this time I want you to speak to the rock. I don't want you to strike it. It's a different method. It's the same result, but it's a different method. And as I was praying this week, I believe that there's some business people here. You know the outcome. You know what you need. But God is saying, I want you to do it differently this time. And to do that is actually going to take a little bit of courage. But God's saying, and hopefully this is confirmation for you, that that different step is going to be something that is going to bring about the outcome that's required. But it's an interesting passage because we we see where Moses' head and heart is at when they need water from the rock, and they've seen it happen before. But Numbers 20, verse 10 to 11, he and Aaron, this is Moses and Aaron, gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, must we... Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with a staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. What's interesting is God still did the miracle. Sometimes God will still work through us even when we're in the wrong because he's going to do, do his purpose anyway. But God shares his glory with no one. And Moses was stepping in saying, must we? As though he had something to do with it. We see this right at the, the, the very beginning when, when Satan stepped in saying that glory, that worship, that, that adoration that we see in heaven, I want that for me. God says, uh-uh. And like lightning, Satan fell from heaven. See, when pride creeps in and we think it's about us and what we can do and what we can achieve, we no longer serve God's purposes. If you find yourself at work or at home and you're calling getting proud and entitled, Believing you earned that or you deserve that, that you're better than this person. And I know none of us would ever feel that way. I know none of us would ever complain to our spouse about the conditions of work and how it should be and could be better. Come on, if we're heading that way, is there a little bit of pride creeping in? Do we need to humble ourselves again and say, God, for your glory, for your purpose, I'm going to faithfully serve with what's in my hand? I love in John chapter 6, and I close with this. A crowd of people once gathered to hear Jesus preach, and he preached considerably longer than I intend to this morning. 
But there was a point where Jesus asks a question of the disciples, and it's a question that, let's be honest, he didn't need the answer for, but he likes to ask those questions anyway. He says, how are we going to feed all these people? They did the calculation. It's going to take a half, half a year's wage just to feed everybody. Impossible. They said, all we got is just a couple of loaves, five loaves, and a couple of fishes. This is all we got. Now, I don't believe at all that there were only five loaves and two fishes in that whole crowd of people. Everyone else was stuffing their Happy Meals in their tunics, seriously. It's like, you're not getting my food. Come on. I'm going to eat this myself. But this little boy says, Jesus, you can have my lunch. This is enough. Would this be enough? And Jesus says, that's enough. And this miracle that took place. It's one thing to have the gift in our hands and use it. But when we take the gift and we put it into Jesus' hands, look at the miraculous that takes place. Come on, if we would be faithful with what we've got and we would put that into Jesus' hands and say, I'm going to live my life in you and for you, the purposes of God will be filled in our generation and the generations to come. For those of you in business, because you've surrendered it to God's kingdom, God will bless you with more than you can handle. I love what Robert Morris says, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Come on, if you have this attitude that says, I'm going to have enough for me and I'm going to pass the rest on to invest into the future generations, God will bless you. As a parent, come on, we need to understand that our kids are God's kids first. If we understand that and we, we commit them and we surrender and we submit them to God, we can have a confidence His plans will be fulfilled and outworked in their lives. Come on, praying parents, don't stop praying for your children. If you haven't yet seen the miracle, keep pressing in and believing because if you've given your kids to God, then in His hands, it's going to be so much better than in our hands. Come on, we've got to believe that for our lives and for our kids. When you and I lay down what is in our hands for God to use, we can have full access to God's power and anointing. Love to pray for you around this area. Would you just simply put your hands out to say, this is me surrendering to God my gift. God, I thank you for every person here today. God, I thank you for the gifts that you've placed in our hands. Lord, would we be faithful with those? Would we honor you with our lives and the way that we would we would speak and live and lead other people with the gifts. Lord, anoint us for the work that you've called us to. Lord, if we have to lay it down before we pick it up again, God, give us the courage to do that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Before we close, uh, we never close a service without giving people an opportunity to respond to God. You know, it, we're hearing about purpose and identity but if we don't understand who's created us and why we've got a purpose and identity, then, then we'll never truly make it anywhere in life. I want to tell you, friends, that God loves you. He created you and he created mankind. He said, this is very good. He said, you're a masterpiece. But this is a masterpiece that isn't finished yet. In fact, it needs the master's hand. And I, I want to encourage you today, if you have yet to surrender your life to God, Give your full, give your life completely to Him. Today is a day you can do that. See, the problem is we have sin that has corrupted our, our, our state as a human being. All of us, the whole, the whole world, we're all sinners. We're all guilty of sin. The Bible says not one person is righteous, not a single person. And yet God in His grace and His mercy had a plan, a rescue plan for us that He would bring His own Son to this world to live a perfect life and though innocent, be crucified on a cross.
so that my sin, your sin, would be forgiven. And right now, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Surrendering your life to God, inviting Him to come into your life to forgive your sin, to start a new life. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. With every head bowed, every eye closed, online, maybe you're going to pray this prayer. Would you pray with all of your heart? You can pray it out loud or you can pray it with us in the room. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living and ask you to forgive me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. I choose to take my next step with you. Please lead and guide me into discovering my purpose and my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Right across this room, I want to give an opportunity, one last thing before I hand back to Pastor Bex. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or coming back to God, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, and online there's a, there's a button that says, I raise my hand. And in a moment, in this room, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to put it up so I can see it and then you can put it back down again. Right across this place, if you responded to Jesus, you said, I've given my life to him. I pray that prayer online. Click that button, I raise my hand. Right across this room, one, God loves you. Two, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Three, why don't you raise it nice and high so I can see it. Awesome, up the back there, amazing, so good. It's great, over the side, amazing, praise God. Anyone else, anyone else saying yes to Jesus? Awesome, down the back there, praise God. Amazing, amazing. God, we thank you for salvation here today. Come on, church, why don't we celebrate those that have made that decision to follow Jesus? Awesome. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.